chapter 1. Um, we did the bulletin. I'm sure I inadvertently put chapter 2. So we've got the wrong passage printed, printed in the bulletin. So let's look in um, God's Word. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Right, this is God's Word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God shall endure forever and ever. This is the first Sunday of Advent, kicking it off um, today, November 27th. We're four Sundays away from from Christmas Day. We're going to worship together on Christmas morning, um, four weeks from today. And as you know, Christmas, how would you describe Christmas? Christmas is the time where God reveals himself through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas is the message of the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God sends his son into the darkness to rescue his people from sin and death. And so Christmas is about God revealing himself in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's good news. And today we're looking at the Annunciation. That's the fancy word for this um, passage we just read from Luke chapter 1. When God uh, sends the angel Gabriel to announce the gospel of the good news of the kingdom coming um, of his son to, to, um, to Mary. And uh, in this passage, you have that great announcement, but it, it doesn't take much um, ciphering to, to recognize in this passage that reality is breaking into Mary's life in, a, in, in unthinkable ways. But just imagine it's just being Mary and meeting with this angel and finding out that you're going to have a child and you're a virgin. can't just read through that without just the wow can you imagine being this young woman 
You know, reality is just broken into her life in magnanimous ways. And we know that the Lord is behind all reality. And aren't you thankful that reality broke into her life in this difficult way? Because if it, if, if it had not, we would not have the King of Kings. We would not have the Savior. We would not have the God-Man. The one, the, the Jesus Christ, one, um, one God. Um, he's one, one, one person with two natures. He's fully God. He's fully man. He came to earth to save us from our sins. So, as, as difficult as this reality is for her, there's great, great, just like God always does, he, he works through very, very difficult situations to bring about His glory and the good of His people. So, this morning we're going to look at Mary's response to this good news, this gospel message through the angel Gabriel, the Christmas message, and... Um, Especially as it breaks, uh, as reality is broken into her life. But we're also going to look at how we should respond in our lives when those magnanimous things happen in our lives, like falling down, like Charlie and Rosie went through this weekend, or, or cancer, or um, a car wreck, or. Something that just comes in and takes over. You know, those big things. We're going to learn how we should respond. We should respond to those situations in life the same way Mary responds. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. And to thank you for the voice to speak your word. I pray you would use my, my body to bring glory to Christ. Um, my lips, my throat, uh, all the things. I pray you would make, let them work uh, today and that you would bring glory to Christ and that you would bring strength and comfort and encouragement to us, your people, through the gospel. Uh, thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So, God sends this angel, Gabriel. Goes right into Mary's house. He shows up. You know, and he has a message. He says, the son of the most high will be your son. The most high. The son of the most high will be your son. Uh, that's the main message to Mary. Look at verse 31. And behold, behold, look, pay attention. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary is, is to call Jesus, Jesus. This child will be Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is Savior. And Mary was a true Israelite. Um, how do we know that? Well, true Israelites believed God's promises, covenant promises, especially the ones that centered on the Messiah. She believed, eventually, she, she, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah, the, the son of David. That over the one who will be rule over the house of Jacob forever. She believed that. But the reason she was a true Israelite, and the reason uh, she, she knew and believed the son of David would come and restore 
his people, rescue his people from their sins and so forth. Gabriel calls her, says, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 30 says, You have found favor with God. Um, The reason that she is a true Israelite is because she had received grace. God had given her grace. You can't miss that. And at this point in her life, and all that she's about to go through, it's good news that she had received God's grace because she's going to need a lot of grace, isn't she? Over the next few months, especially, and for the rest of her life, she needs. And the good news is that God gives grace to every true Israelite. He gives grace to every true Christian to believe his promises about his son, the Messiah. And if you're in this room, you probably have received the grace of God. Or God is offering you the grace of God through the gospel. God is a gracious God. His, he, he gives, he's gracious to his people. He gives grace to every true Israelite. If you're a Christian, you really are the true Israel. And so let me ask you this question. Here's your application. You know, what does Jesus say to pray for? Just pray for the Holy Spirit. Do you pray? We pray a lot, don't we? About those, when reality comes in and takes over our lives. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. Would you help me now? Now. We should be praying, Lord, Lord, will you give me the Holy Spirit? Would you give me grace? Do you pray for grace? you pray that God would give grace to other people? Grace is the Lord himself. You know, and, and grace is such a, is a precious, yeah, because it is the Lord himself. It's not just some commodity, you know, we use that illustration a lot, that, you know, some clerk pushes grace across the counter to you. Here it is, it's free. No, it's, it's the Lord himself. It's like his righteousness is himself living in you. Uh, God gives us grace. And in the book of Exodus, Grant's preaching through there, doing a wonderful job of pointing out the gospel in, the, in that in the Old Testament story. But it's, it's clear, isn't it, that God does not give grace to everyone. That's hard to say. It's hard to hear. It's a great mystery. The gospel is freely offered to anyone, to everyone. But only those who have received the grace of God will believe the gospel. I don't understand that. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. But it makes me wonder, Lord, why did you give me grace that I would believe the gospel? Especially when I, many times I act like I don't believe the gospel. And I spend most of my time praying about, about me and my woes and you know, weaknesses rather than praying for the Holy Spirit and praying for God's blessing of grace to those around me. God gives his grace freely to his people. Are you thankful for his grace today? Are you grateful? Lord, thank you that you've shown me the gospel. So how does Mary respond to God's grace? Well, she goes through this journey of belief. She goes through uh, uh, different phases of belief. Three, if you would, phases of faith. Uh, and we're going to look at those three things very quickly here. Um, you know, phases, uh, it's, it's important to see how things work and sequences and so forth. Um, how, how things come about. Um, yeah, and when our kids were young... Um, 
It's uh, it's hard to be a parent, especially this time of year. Much easier being a grandparent. Yeah, just uh, just let you know, you pass through those waters of parenting, um, especially your first child. It's it's um it's just you don't know what you're doing, right? Um, but one thing we learned as we we were parenting. Um, when, when our children would exhibit or demonstrate some strange or unusual behavior, like running um, and screaming, Stop, thief! You know where that comes from? Uh, Catherine read um, you know, Peter Rabbit and Mr. McGregor. You know, that's what Mr. McGregor said. Stop, thief! So one of our children, who will remain nameless, would run around screaming, Stop, thief! And Catherine said, Well, it's just a phase, right? It's just a phase. And, and we, have, we still are going through different phases with our children. It's just a phase. You've got to remember that. Well, Mary has these, these phases that she's going through to, to grow in her understanding of the truth. Um, she, she learns in phases. That's what happens. She learns about grace in phases. And the first phase that Mary goes through is a phase of contemplation or ciphering or calculation. Uh, she processes all the, the things that are going on in her life, the situation that she has encountered. Uh, in, in, in other words, reality is broken into your life. Something big happens and, and you realize you're really not in control of that situation we just talked about. But has that ever happened to you? Yes. So you have to process the situation. You have to make sense of it. You, you at least try to. And fortunately for Mary, she has her cousin Elizabeth to, to process life with. Do you have people that in your life that you can process with? You have the, you know, the church, is, this, this is a room full of great processors. Now, you, don't, you don't know the people like I do, but I'm telling you. These are wonderful people in this room, and, and the community here is good to share our lives together and process the gospel. We, we've, God has taught us. He's been gracious to us. He's taught us to do that. Uh, and, it, and so who, who are you processing um, the hard things of life with, right? Uh, and that's part of knowing God, believing God. It, it's, it's, it's a journey with other people, the body of Christ. You can't do this on your own. Don't try this at home, right, by yourself. You just can't. You can't do Christianity like that. So, um, so the angel says, "Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you." Uh, but she, Mary, was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Uh, so, at first, Mary obviously is greatly troubled, even as you know, she's trying to process what's going on. You know, you don't see angels every day, right? I haven't seen one today, have you? Uh, and. Uh, but you know, again, all of us have these experiences of reality coming in and just taking over. And you realize, I am not in control of my life. I'm really not. Lord, I believe you are. Would you help me believe that, right? And so Mary is trying to make sense of the strange reality that's broken into her life. But the translation here wondered what sort of greeting this might be. Uh, it's, that's a little confusing. Uh, and um, the commentators will, will point out that um, you know, Mary's not thinking about, okay, I've read the Old Testament, and I know the stories when angels, you know, introduced themselves to other people, they greeted them, and 
This, this kind of greeting is not in the Old Testament, right? She's, she's an expert on the Old Testament angel greetings, right? That, that's, not, that's what it kind of implies with that translation. That's not, what it's, that's not really what, what it's getting at. But this is a, it's kind of confusing. confusing. Uh, but the, the focus that clears uh, this up is on the, verb, uh, on the word and the verb discern, which is a translation of the word dialogizomai. It's a great word in the New Testament. Um, dia, legitimate. Dia means, like diameter, means to go through. Dia, legitimai. You can hear logic in there. Logos, camp logos, all that stuff. So Mary is just thinking through. through she's doing through thinking. She's thinking through the situation. And she's trying to use logic to figure out what's going on. And so... Logic is a very, very important part and phase of faith. You know, our Christianity is a logical thinking religion. And sometimes when people think about the gospel and the, the process of knowing God, phases of knowing God, they, a lot of people will say, well, I'm just, I, you know, logic is not all, all there is to it. That's where I'm going with this. They'll, but they'll say, I'm just too logical for Christianity. I'm, I'm too, and that's really a deep swipe at our intellect, right? So I'm really, I'm too logical to believe all that. Um, but some people can be nice when they say that. And, and they, uh, and they, you know, it's great for you to have all those Christmas emotions and all those feelings. Um, but I'm just real black and white. I'm a concrete thinker. Just show me the facts. And, and that's, that's good because Christianity is a thinking faith. It, it really is. It's important. It's rational. Uh, think about Luke, who wrote this account. Who was he? He was a doctor. You want um, you want doctors to be able to be thinkers, right? Figure stuff out. And uh, and, uh, and and he was a man of logic. And he starts off his book by by talking about how he interviewed all these eyewitnesses who lived with Jesus and who saw Jesus. And he probably interviewed Mary, or he got his story from a reliable source. So. Um, Christianity is orderly. Christianity is logical. But at the same time, and we're talking about an angel here. Right? We're talking about the virgin birth. Right? At the same time, there's many things about Christianity you, you cannot explain. There are logical and concrete items about Christianity but there's many things that you cannot explain. And so Mary is running the situation through her brain. But what I want to just bring out again, she's thinking. She's trying to make sense. She's through thinking. She's deologizomizing. She's thinking through the situation. But at the same time, it's what Christianity is like this. It's always both and. It's not either or. She's also beginning to be overcome with wonder in her heart. So in this phase, you have logic, but you also have wonder, which again is basically knowledge that surpasses knowledge. You know what that is? Paul talks about that's in the Bible. There is a knowledge that surpasses knowledge. That means you and I don't have all the answers. And how wonderful it is that God has given us grace so that we can know the facts about Christianity. We can be rational about it. We can be logical about it. But at the same time, we can be taken taken up um, with the fact that it's wonderful that God has forgiven me for my sins. There's a way to be forgiven. And there's a way to become a child of God. 
how wonderful it is that God has given us His grace. You know, this year, um, just to illustrate this this point of the the logical and the wonder, uh, you know, I've, I've had this theme going on with the policeman trying to keep it going before all, all year long. And you've heard me say this, the theme is you know more than you can tell. It's really true. In anything you do, no matter what you're doing, you know more than you can tell. You cannot analyze everything there is about riding a bicycle or hitting a tennis ball or hitting a golf ball or, or just writing. What, what's happening in, when you're writing words with your hand and that pen and all that stuff with the flow of the ink and all there's just more than you can tell and and to introduce um that subject i I talked to the detectives and um i said can you get a conviction uh if you don't have 100 percent proof that the guy did it can you and the answer is yes a judge will convict a person when they say we know that you did this beyond a reasonable doubt but they don't have him on camera. They don't have everything. All the, They weren't there. They don't have uh, maybe not even an eyewitness at that point. But they can put the clues together. Eyewitnesses are obviously very, very important. But in, in other words, sometimes the detectives, they, they, they have gut feelings about what they're doing. And they build their case. And they, they get to that beyond a reasonable doubt to get a conviction. And, and most of life... It just it, let me be redundant. It works that way. There are many things that you cannot prove with absolute certainty. It's just that's the way it is. Can you prove Christianity? You really can't. Do you believe it's true? Why? Yes, there were eyewitnesses that wrote all this stuff down. They there were eyewitnesses to the supernatural accounts of Jesus Christ in his life. Um, there's supernatural accounts that have been recorded about Mary and Joseph talking to angels. The, the, there's the miraculous news of the resurrection that was eyewitnessed by over 500 people at one time, and so forth. But all of these supernatural events are beyond a reasonable doubt. You can be confident they are true. And that's why we can be confident of this story that, that Mary has told um, Luke in her account of her life and God's working uh, in this very unusual situation. And over the years, you know, many skeptics, I, I grew up as a skeptic. I grew up in a very skeptical church. Um, by the way, I want to tell you that church I ask you to pray for, they're coming out of that denomination. Some of you actually prayed for that to happen. And my friend down in South Georgia um, is thankful that, that he had people praying about that. But Wow. But it's a very skeptical denomination and uh, very um, acted like they were great thinkers, but they didn't really think very well about the gospel. But Mary's journey, back to the point, um, skeptics will eventually, if they're given grace, people who have not believed in Christ will believe the gospel because of the power of the gospel and the power of God's grace. So pray for God's grace in your life. Pray for the, uh, the grace of the gospel to show up in the people around you that don't yet believe the gospel. But the point I wanted to leave you with, Mary does not turn her brain off in this situation. That's the first, first phase of faith is thinking, being logical. And being logical enough to say there's some things I just can't explain. The second phase of the journey is that Mary is just flat out honest. Gabriel says, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says, this is not going to work. I'm a virgin. Come on. 
And, uh, you know, it's not going to work. You know, when I teach Bible studies or small groups, my favorite students have always been the women. I'm trying to get on y'all's good side here. But you know why? They always, they always ask the best questions. They always do. Um, that's happened down in Columbia and in Kenya when I've been teaching. There are people that help out in the church. There are, um, the ladies doing Christian ed or whatever they're doing. Um, they, they're the best students. They're, they're not afraid to ask dumb questions. And, and that's why when you start off a study, it's always a good idea to, to read it and say, Hey, do you have any questions? And just sit, sit there and don't, don't say anything until somebody says something and usually you know the woman feels sorry for you with all that compassion oh well, i'm going to ask a question and usually those questions are wow that's really a, a good thing to open up this discussion with and so here mary um she just she's very transparent with this angel she shares her doubts she admits her weaknesses she's honest there's sincerity and she's a skeptic She's a skeptic at this point. But she's an honest skeptic. And sometimes people are so skeptical that they're they're afraid for hope or to hope. They're afraid to go to God and say, I'm struggling with believing all this. It just doesn't make sense. How can this be? But that's a good place. Go, Go to God and say, would you help me with my unbelief? That's one of the most important Phases of faith in the Bible. Lord, I do believe it. <coughs> Help my unbelief. And if you're, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm all certain, I'm completely certain about everything in my life and I have perfect faith in the Lord, I just, I do not doubt, I do not struggle. You're a liar. Sorry. Pastor just called me a liar. Nothing good dwells in your flesh. Nothing good dwells in my flesh. Belief is a constant struggle. And one of the most healthy things you can do is say, Lord, I'm just struggling believing. I'm struggling trusting you. It doesn't look like you know what you're doing. And because God gave grace to Mary, because she humbled herself, those two things go together. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You know, when, when Gabriel shows up, you know, she doesn't run out of the room. She's just simply honest with her doubts. And she's not afraid to wrestle with her faith. She's honest. She's sincere with God's messenger. And so, in her journey to faith, Mary moves from phase one, the logic of accepting that um, the facts are real, um, whatever you're thinking through that you can measure, but also that there's more to life than you can measure or describe. There's more, uh, you know more than you can tell. Sometimes reality does come in and take over your life. There's some things you cannot explain, uh, but you still have to process things intellectually. You have to, Christianity is a thinking religion. The second phase is honesty and sincerity. But then what does she do? What happens next? What happens next? Well, here's a, here's a question for you. So let's say you want to learn to do something you've never done. What is that? Maybe you want to play the piano. Or you want to learn to learn Japanese or something. Who would want to do that, right? But some people do that. Maybe you want to um, learn to cook or play tennis. What, what do you need? If you really, I mean, you really want to do this. 
some of, some of you are thinking, this is, this, I'm so glad I'm hearing the sermon today. This is what I need to do. What do you need? You need somebody to teach you how to do it. You need a teacher. You need an authoritative guide in your life. And you need to submit to that um, person. You need to humbly submit to what they say. And, and here, Mary doesn't just submit to Gabriel's words because he's this cool, powerful angel. She submits to his words. Why? Because these are the words of God that she's heard all of her life about the promised Messiah, the son of David, the one who will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Gabriel is simply just a messenger of God's word. And her conversation with Gabriel is just the beginning of her reflecting on what God has said. And she's going to go process again with Elizabeth, her cousin. Uh, all those things you read in the call to worship. Mary, Mary's just simply quoting scripture after scripture about the promised Messiah. And, and even though she knows she's going to go through the worst time of her life. And she believes this is going to happen. She's going to suffer great shame and humiliation. You know, she knows Joseph's going to probably divorce her. That's what she did. I mean, he would have he had good reason to do that, right? But something happens, and it, here it is: it's the grace of God. She comes to this point of humility, where she basically says, "Lord, are you listening?" This is what she says: "Lord, you have the right to determine." Everything that happens in my life. That's where she she gets. Lord, you have the right to determine everything that happens in my life. And I may not like the journey, but I know that you promised me good. And so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to submit to you. And so what is where does Mary get to? She she comes to a place of wonder and trust. And when you get to that place of wonder and trust, the wonder at the grace of God, trusting God that He's your Father, you know what happens to your life? You're really free at that point. You're free because you belong to God and nothing can separate you from His love. And He promises to work all things together in your life for good. And so here's the application. For those who, you know, this is a busy time of year and just coming out of Thanksgiving, everybody's going, woo, what happened? And now we're about to, you know, dive headfirst into the Christmas stuff. Um, it's, just, it's just a hard time for a lot of people. Uh, you may not be feeling very close to God right now, um, and you, but you'd like to come closer to Him. You'd like for Him to draw near to you, and you would like to draw near to Him. Um, but, you know, again, reality may have broken into your life in a, a very significant way. You feel like you're drowning, you're, you're in over your head. And you're thinking, this is not how I drew this up. Right? This is, I would not have done it this way. So, so what, do you, what do you do? And, and a lot of you are there. I'm there. What do you do? You go through the phases of faith. And you realize that God is constantly inviting you close to himself. And he usually is the closest to you in the hardest situations of life. Which makes no sense to the world. Makes no sense to my flesh. I'll never believe that in my flesh. But when I believe the gospel, when I ask God to give me the Holy Spirit, I am free. Because I will become, just like Mary, I'll become like, more like Christ to realize the greatest things God does in my life are through the hardest things that He does in my life.
So think about what God says. Use your logic. Read the scriptures. And I don't pound you over, you know, as your pastor over 20 years, I hadn't been pounding you. Read your Bible, read your Bible. But you know what? You need to read your Bible. I need to read my Bible more. Rather than just to prepare for lessons or whatever I'm writing or whatever I'm doing. You need to read the scriptures. Are you listening to what God says? And rejoice in the fact that He is at work behind the scenes. And so pray this, this Christmas uh, season for a wonder, uh, a sense of wonder in the gospel. But also, you know, listen to God's word. Pay attention. Listen to His truth. Listen to Him speak to your word. Um, pray for a sense of wonder at the gospel. But secondly, just be honest with God. This is something, the older I get, the more the easier it is for me to do this. And it's not always been easy to be honest with God. I don't like to admit my struggles to even to Him, right? But be honest about your struggles. Be honest about your, the difficulties you're having to believe His Word. And be honest with your struggles with your sin. And it's just, do you, are you honest enough to say to God, Lord, I can't shake this on my own. I can't do this. And, and lastly, just humble yourself before His mighty hand. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. God promises to be near you. He promises to forgive you. That's what do you know, we read that earlier in that common passage from 1 John. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God promises to be near us. He promises to forgive us. He will, Jesus comes that, so that so to save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus is, that's what Christmas is all about. And so pray that God will give you the same grace that he gave Mary. That with Mary, you can say, because of Jesus, I have eternal acceptance. I have eternal security. I have eternal comfort. That's what the Messiah's coming is all about. The security of God, the comfort of God, the peace of God. The acceptance of God. Those are the promises of the Messiah. And because of Jesus, you are accepted eternally. You, you are loved more than you can imagine. Especially, you need to know that, especially when reality breaks in your life in unexpected ways. And I promise you, if it's not hasn't broken in this month, it's going to break in sooner than you want it to. So come to this table of grace Receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive His presence. And wonder at the grace of the gospel. Let us pray.